Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. NTT 20's betting show, sponsored by Betfair. This podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, is us making betting picks. Ahead of the EFL weekend, uh, betting comes with significant risks. So we want to make sure that everyone listening is gamble aware. Head to begambleaware.org for information, for reminders, for some tools to help with the risks that come with betting. Uh, This is very strictly for over 18s only. And we head into the weekend with the sun on our backs and hope in our heart. George Alec. You'll never walk alone. (laughs) Uh, Second recording of the morning because we now churn out Big Six Fix. This is part of the EFL newsletter by NTT20, which you can sign up to at ntt20.substack.com. Weekend preview vibes, non-punting related. So George and I picking the fixtures that we think are the most important, the most significant, the most exciting, with the most narrative ahead of the EFL weekend. So six fixtures in total, two for each league. Our Substack at the moment is a big focus for us. We're really excited about it. We think it's going to be a, a big part of our offering going forward, particularly as Twitter may or may not be in the process of being completely destroyed. Uh, If it does get destroyed, we've got you covered. And we hope that you'll enjoy the weekend preview and Big Six Fix. Uh, Last week on The Betting Show, (sighs) pouring one out for the end of the George Ellick green streak. One winner out of five for you. But it was a 9-2 to winner. So nearly took you into the green. Uh, But thanks to, I'm afraid... Salford not winning your nap. Carlisle, your lay, winning. Uh, Stoke not scoring over 2.5 goals against Bristol City. And Jed Wallace not scoring for West Brom against Rotherham. You were minus 0.37. It's a disgrace. Also, they went off like 11-2 to Huddersfield as well. So, oh. Hey-ho. But you could argue it was a bad bet because it drifted. You'd be an idiot though. <laughs> a good week for me, I'm pleased to say. I got my nap up, Peterborough beat Shrewsbury. I got my next best up, Ipswich beat Wickham to nil. I got my layup, Watford did not beat Huddersfield. And I got my goals pick up, Mansfield win and over 2.5 goals against Swindon. They were 4-2 winners at 11-4. to uh, Jez Raksaki, didn't he do the business on Friday? Did he score two on Monday? Yes, he did. Was I on him on Monday? No, I wasn't. George, what's your best bet this weekend in the EFL? Only a couple of weeks left, so let's finish strong. Have you ever seen the 1996 American comedy film uh, Swingers? No, I haven't, and I know that I should have. Yeah, it's kind of the film that made Vince Vaughn, really, uh, amongst others. Um, John Favreau also, and I think they wrote it. Oh, that might be wrong. Anyway, if my betting show week was to have a cast, it would be played by Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. I think I'd be Vince, you'd be, you'd be Favs, ah. would be my reckoning. Okay. Um, because I'm swinging. I'm just going to swing uh, everywhere here. I'm going for big prices. I think we're getting to the stage of the season where often things can just go a little bit too far one way. And therefore, I'm not even going to bother with the um, draw no bet stuff. It's just straight up wins. Maybe I'm getting a bit greedy after landing the 9-2 Huddersfield last week. Um, but my nap is Bristol City to beat Watford at 3-1. to one. Um, So basically the same bet as the Huddersfield one from last week. And I think if you're putting up Huddersfield to beat Watford at nine to two. Given what we've seen over the last week, you have to be backing Bristol City to do it at three to one. Bristol City arguably had the hardest weekend of fixtures over Easter um, of any team in the Championship, where they um, on Easter Monday live on Sky uh, they played Middlesbrough and drew the game two all, having been two nil up, and then on Good Friday they beat Stoke two one. Now, if you take Burnley out of the equation here. 
there's a fair argument to be made that two of the three best teams since then in the championship they've they played against. I think Luton, Stoke and Borough um, in terms of from, I don't know, say the turn of the year have been the three best teams in the league. Um, and they beat a Stoke team who had been rampant against pretty much everyone they'd faced and did so in a game where they weren't themselves necessarily miles above what Stoke were, but Stoke failed to create a great deal, never been one nil up. Um, Bristol City scored twice to win the game 2-1. I wouldn't say it was necessarily undeserved, but the performance that really caught my eye was the game that we watched on uh, on Easter Monday, the late kickoff, where, yes, um, they muscled their way back in, Borough, to get an all-important point, but Bristol City were the better team by miles here. They created an expected goals of 3.5 against Borough, and yet, you know, Borough aren't a team who are necessarily the best defensively, even when they're at their best. When I was watching this game, especially in the first half at nil nil, there was one team who looked like the side who were promotion chasing the promotion chasing side, and that was and that was Bristol City. You know they've been streaky basically all season, where they go through these spells of looking like they're they're pretty dangerous and pretty good, and then they go through these really lean spells. And it feels like right now they're a team who are just enjoying playing without any pressure. Um, they've got a, a front line of so much energy. You know the four that started up front against Borough were, were Cornick off the right, Bell off the left, Wells up front with Vyman in behind. Conway coming off the bench to add up even more and then Mametti as well who scored the second goal against Stoke. They have so many attacking options and they seem to just hit a groove at the moment. And in my mind, if they put in the level of performance they did against Borough, if they put in the level of performance they did against Stoke, then they should see off Watford, a Watford side who are not improving under, under Chris Wilder, who took a two-goal lead against Coventry and came away from that game with a point, with Coventry having the better chances to win it at two-all. Um, we saw how thing, how toxic things got at the end of the game against um, against Huddersfield with the Batman sending off and the fans really turning against the side. I think if Bristol City put in, you know, if they relish being able to do that again to Watford, you know, this is a Watford, a Watford who had to release a statement this week confirming they weren't sacking Chris Wilder after more rumours were abound that he was set to leave the club despite having a contract that only runs for another two weeks or so. Um, yeah, I think Bristol City are, a, are an absolute must bet here. And, you know, when you're, I guess, being factored into this a little bit is that Watford have something to play for in inverted commas and and Bristol City don't but you know I've had something to play for for the last few weeks mate. Well, and also I'm not really sure they do do they like, like are, are what we're going to get in the playoffs um, pretty telltale signs for me are and maybe I'm looking too much into this not consistently defending your, your own box with any sort of vigour and also any vim no vim there's no vim in defending counter-attacks either they're mm. consistently they're the classic team that run run forward a lot quicker than they run backwards often the sign of a yeah. team lacking motivation so yeah two points my nap is Bristol City to beat Watford at um, Vicarage Road at two to, uh, three to one sorry three to one and my nap is just under two to one so chunky-ish not as chunky as yours it's Barrow to beat Swindon in League Two I'm excited about this one and I'll tell you for why. Uh, in the last 10 games, Barrow, 20 points. Only Northampton have more in League Two. So Swindon in that time, only nine points, less than a point per game. In fact, they've been they've picked up less than a point per game since the start of November to now. November, December, January, February, March. That's over five months. Five and a half months, Swindon have been a less than one point per game team. 21 points from their last 23. That's half a season's worth of football, a relegation points return. They're in poor form. What do I like about Barrow? Well, 
specifically their out-of-possession stuff, their defensive stuff. They've only conceded seven in their last 10 league games. And three of those came in, in a freak result, really, against Crew on Friday. Two of them were penalties. In fact, three of the seven that they've conceded in their last 10 were from the spot. So only four conceded non-penalty goals from uh, their last 10 games. Their excellent defensive numbers, underlying numbers, show that it's no fluke. Outside of Stockport, they're about as good as League Two gets defensively at the moment. Uh, and... You know, it tallies with what we've seen at their best all season. I think they love playing against possession-based teams as Swindon are. They have that capacity to soak up pressure. I think very specifically of wins against Bradford, against Stockport, against Walsall as the blueprint here, um, seeding possession but giving up absolutely nothing, like a force field around their goal, uh, and then scoring good, quick counter-attacks. So I'm not really sure what happened in that 3-0 defeat to Crew on Friday, but it was pleasing and no surprise really to see Wilde make some changes, tweak the formation a bit and follow up with a 4-0 win on Monday. As for Swindon, only three clean sheets in their last 18 since Christmas. So although I don't think Barrow are incredible going forward, I think Swindon are super flimsy. Uh, their players have not shown much backbone, uh, as discussed in the last few months. It's a pretty angry fan base, pretty underwhelmed by things on and off the field at the moment. Just a bad team, really, without much to aim for, uh, other than the, the summer, the beach. I think Barrow are a serious team who will still talk themselves into the chance of nicking a playoff spot, even if it's a long shot. I think Swindon are an unserious team that's unravelling somewhat. So it's my best bet of the weekend. It's Barrow, just under 2-1. Two 2.9 to with the Betfair Sportsbook. Can't believe one of us has said that Swindon are an unserious team on the pod, and it isn't me. Next best. My next best was going to be Preston North End, but it's not anymore. Um, I do think there's a, a smidgen of value there at the 15 to 4, but when you and I did our research for the big six fix on the Substack, I uncovered that Millwall's um, XG numbers over the last four games where they haven't scored is actually quite good. And it's kind of put me off. I still think there's way too much between the two in, the, in terms of the prices, but I think the better bet and the better value is Exeter to beat Plymouth Argyle at 2 to 1 um, in the early game on Saturday. Now, I do this. Reluctantly, because I am very bored of being accused by Argyle fans of having a bias against them. I don't, and it kind of is annoying because I actually really like Argyle and I think they've done, had an amazing season. I think Schumacher's done incredibly well. I think he should be manager of the season. I think Barley Mumba's one of my favourite players to watch in the whole EFL. The people that listen to this for thoughts on a betting level. Yeah. They don't care about these narratives, George. They want to hear your best bets and that's what you're providing. But I'm doing, I'm saying that now just so those three Argyle fans just don't bother just please don't bother just tweeting me or tweeting us about this because it's boring um, I like you but I think 2-1 to one about Exeter to win this game is too big a price um, it's obviously a massive derby game two teams that do not like each other uh, Argyle won the reverse 4-2 a brilliant game uh, where they were scintillating um, but there's a couple of issues I've got with Argyle at the moment I think the form has tailed a bit since Mike Cooper was, uh, you know, sustained his serious injury, which is no surprise um, given how important and how good he is. Their away form generally hasn't been great. And I know that they've won three of their last five on the road, but those three came against Oxford, who've got four points in their last, what is it, 39 possible. Morecambe, who are destined for relegation. And Accrington, who are not in particularly good form either after an OK start to the season. So... They've beaten three of the poorest teams in the league away from home. But if you look at the season as a whole, Argyle have only beaten two teams away from home in the current top 15 in the league table. And those two wins came in September and October. So basically haven't won on the road against a decent side in League One since the beginning of October. And I think Exeter are 
kind of a decent side where their home form, you know, they were beaten 1-0 by Bolton, but in the four previous home games to that, they won all four and they scored 12 goals in the process, averaging three goals a game. In Sam Nombe, they've got a player that I think is, I think if he played for a Peterborough or an Ipswich or one of the top teams in uh, in League One, I think he would be right up there amongst the top goal scorers in the league. I think he's extremely good. Um, and they're a side that I just think will be relishing this opportunity in a season where everything else is off the line there's nothing really to play for the one thing they can do here at home is get revenge for that defeat earlier in the season but more importantly really damage Argyle's chances of promotion um so I don't think there's too much you know obviously Argyle are the better side but in terms of home form and away form there's not that much between them with a lot of pressure on Argyle especially with the early kickoff I think the early kickoff doesn't help Argyle at all knowing that basically if they lose this game they're gonna have to sit and watch Ipswich and Wednesday have the opportunity to to really push past them um yeah I think it's more level than the than the prices suggest and I'm not sure Exeter should be outsiders here so two to one I'm, I'm backing them yeah staying in league one I'm backing Barnsley to beat Forest Green and cover the minus one handicap at 2.6 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Don't need to go too deep, I don't think, on the respective qualities or lack thereof uh, of these two teams. It's on a very basic level, a team that's won 18 of their last 25 league matches against a team that has lost 18 of their last 25 league matches. Clearly, Barnsley are a much stronger team. Uh, They have had a couple of defeats recently at Burton and at Exeter, but I think they're still setting pretty remarkable standards. I'm not concerned about some big drop-off in performance level. As for Forest Green, well, their, their loudest result recently was that win against Sheffield Wednesday on Sky. Gave them big licks on the Monday pod after that. It was an incredible performance. Genuinely believe that. I don't think it was just Wednesday being sub par that was it turns out just a one-off really just a rare bit of sunshine in a stormy season um they've lost the, the the three subsequent games the interesting thing for me here is the classic conundrum that i have seemingly every week at the moment the old winter nil versus minus one handicap uh, as a way of boosting uh backing a team that's 1.5 and i hopefully will never put up a 1.5 shot on the betting show because it's boring um so Win to nil is 2.38. Minus one is 2.6. I'm definitely going with the minus one here. I think it's more compelling. I'll tell you why. Barnsley have scored two or more in 11 of their last 16. That's 69%. They've only kept six clean sheets in their last 16. That's 38%. So if the narrative is Barnsley are really solid defensively, more so than really good going forward, I don't think that's backed up in the last two months worth of football, three months worth of football. They've covered the the minus one nine times in 16, but they've only won to nil five times in 16. So I like the minus one from a Barnsley point of view. Forest Green, well, they don't score very many and they often concede two or more. So that doesn't give us any particular insight. I just think Barnsley have switched mentality and, and kind of personality uh, from the first part of the season to the last part of the season. They're, they're pretty relentless uh, and they keep on coming after going ahead. They're not that tight defensively as they were to start the season. So I prefer the minus one at 2.6. Barnsley to beat Forest Green, minus one, 2.6 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Don't forget it's bet 10, get two with the Betfair Sportsbook. That means if you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season, you'll get a £2 free bet. T's and C's in the bio. Put up a lay for me. My lay is Ipswich at home to Charlton. 
um, and this is obviously very much a price thing. I anticipate that Ipswich are clearly the likely winners here. Um, they Their home form is, is incredible, but I just think at 1.34, that might just be a little bit on the short side um, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, you know, even though Ipswich are, are clearly by far the better team, I would argue that Charlton have the best player on the pitch here in Jesrin Raksaki, who I've heard is already being linked to a possible move to Ipswich next season on loan. Playing for a Charlton side, who had a difficult season. Um, he has 35 starts, 13 goals and six assists. And I think that only kind of tells half the story in terms of just how good he is. Um, you know, he scored two in their last game, a 3-2 win over Burton. And obviously, you know, it's too reductive to say Raksaki is the best player on the pitch, therefore, you know, Charlton have a chance here. But I do think he will cause Ipswich all manner of problems. That's, that means that Charlton probably shouldn't be a 10-1 to shot. Um, Ipswich, obviously, having been so relentless in terms of their form prior to the Cheltenham game, was it 26 goals without reply before Alfie May scored late on? A little chink in their armour, possibly. You know, this was the story of their season early on in the campaign, was getting into winning positions and then conceding stupid goals. And it was the same again here. Yes, the win played a part, but Christian Walton charging out of his goal, fumbling only for May to, to scoop home. And any ideas, I guess, that Ipswich players and fans may have had that they were over that. They're back to square one in that occasion now where, again, they've squandered a lead and again, they should have gone in one. And if, and if they had won it, then they would be very much in the driving seat to win the League One title. There's also a really weird quirk to this. And I'm not for a second suggesting this is going to impact whether or not I think um, you should be laying Ipswich. But I do think it's worth pointing out where an Ipswich fan... Um, site TWTD uh, put out a piece this morning and the headline is referee for Charlton match a Sheffield Wednesday supporter now normally you look at that and you're like come on but the evidence is pretty compelling where James Bell who is the referee for this game there's a story that did the rounds back in May 2021 so two years ago where Ryan Lowe who was Plymouth Argyle manager at the time said that he had a conversation with James Bell, the referee, where Bell told him that he used to sing his name as a fan on the cop at Hillsborough. Oh, that's sweet. So, I mean, I'm not here suggesting for a second that James Bell can't put his allegiances aside being a professional for this game, but it, it does seem kind of crazy that a Sheffield Wednesday, a, you know, a fan, and you, you know that referees have to declare their allegiance to whoever they supported to um, to the FA. It does seem strange to me that it's in the public domain that James Bell is a Wednesday fan and that he will be officiating a game that has a massive bearing on Sheffield Wednesday's promotion chances this season. Again, I'm not using that as a reason why I'm going to lay up switch. I'm not suggesting anything untoward here, but I just thought the listeners might be interested to know that weird little quirk in this fixture. Um, Ryan Lowe. Ryan Lowe. Ryan, Ryan Lowe. He gets a ball, he scores a goal. Ryan, Ryan Lowe. Yeah. Apparently that was the chant as well. But then the thing is, he's probably going to see this story and all Belly's going to be like, Christ, I better make sure I give town lots of, lots of decisions here to make sure my... Overcompensate. Yeah. You've been Great. doing your life, haven't you? Well, a worthy story. Uh, Swansea, I've laid at 1.75 on the Betfair exchange. Uh, I will be honest here and say that I think Swansea are playing quite nicely under the radar uh, in recent weeks. I think... Because the radar doesn't care much about mid-table teams at this stage, uh, it's probably been glossed over somewhat. Uh, last time they were sort of maybe um, you know a bigger story, uh, things weren't going so well. So there might be some people that have sort of 
been sleeping on the fact that Swans are, are in much better shape and seem to be ending the season quite strongly as they did last season. I also think that Huddersfield, very much in the public eye at the moment for their good form that's seen them rise from the bottom of the table to safety, currently safety. Um, I think because of the cult of Warnock, there's probably been a little overreaction to exactly how well Huddersfield are playing. Too much sole focus on the results, and I think they're running pretty hot. Um, I think this is a pretty mad stat, and I haven't seen it anywhere else. Huddersfield have scored 11 goals in their last five league games. They've only had 12 shots on target Ooh. in those five games. Troublesome. So one of the goals was an own goal. So it's actually 10 goals scored by Huddersfield players from 12 shots on target. It's still, you know, it's great finishing. It's great fortune. It comes at just the right time. It also is a bit of a red flag for anyone who's like, wow, Huddersfield have suddenly found the answer to attacking football and scoring goals. I don't think that's necessarily true, and I wanted to bring that up. However, I'm laying Swansea here, which is a pro-Huddersfield stance, so I might as well um, start explaining myself. I do think that the manner of their attacks, in particular the pretty good counter-attacking that we've seen, uh, Rodoni in particular has been very good on this front in the last couple of weeks, and in particular their strong set-piece threat, Matty Pearson being the one that has scored, what is it, three goals in his last two might be four in his last three, mate. Four in three for Matty Pearson. I think that's just a good fit for a game against Swansea. I also think the short Swansea price here is clearly, in my eyes, underlying numbers based. I also think, particularly at this stage of the season, where we think things like motivation probably play a stronger part in the dynamic of a football match than they would at any other point of the season, I think... Sometimes there's an opportunity to take advantage of a time where a team's strong numbers are a big factor in a certain price and you think it's a little bit misleading. So I think that might be the case here. After a few years of Swansea posting good numbers, not backed up by results, there's a bit more value getting against Swansea than with them because of their vulnerabilities, which have been shown pretty consistently over the last two years. So even though... I think Huddersfield's goal output is a bit of a fluke over the last couple of weeks. I'm willing to recognise that Warnock has some sort of magic spell that can't be put into a betting model. And I do think that what's fueling Swansea's short price is something I'm happy to get against. So that's why I'm laying Swansea. Uh, they are as short as 1.75, which is what I've been matched with on the Betfair exchange. Uh, what's your goal selection? Back to Stoke. It uh, didn't work last week, but I'm backing Stoke. It's got over two and a half goals at nine to two at home to West Brom. Um, West Brom looked to me to be all at sea. And given what is at stake here in terms of the, the actual future of the football club, it's pretty tough to watch. Um, their last, you know, you have to go back uh, eight games for their last clean sheet um, away from home. That was a 2-0 win at Bristol City. Since then, they've conceded two to Luton, two to Burnley, two to Birmingham, three to Watford, two to Hull, one to Cardiff and three to Rotherham. And I know that Stoke didn't have the best Easter weekend, but I'm willing to take a chance that they are still a pretty good side under Alex Neal, who when they get the bit between their teeth can cause the opposition loads of problems. And I think the crucial thing for me here is that Rotherham weren't fortunate in terms of that 3-1 win. You know, they battered West Brom, created loads of opportunities, loads of chances. And I think there's a bit of 
amateur psychology going into this where if West Brom find themselves behind in this one yeah, they, I think West Brom basically have to win this to keep their playoff hopes alive and therefore if they find themselves behind they're going to have to throw men forward if they find themselves further behind then you know they might have to you know, well, they might down tools in terms of acknowledging that this is the end of their, their playoff challenge so um, yeah it wasn't successful last week but I think siding with Stoke goals is, is the way to play this so 9-2 to two, over 2.5 two Lovely. Uh, the goals selection has been treating me quite well recently. Four winners in the last five weeks, all of them between 3.6 and 4.8 in the decimal. I'm in the middle of that today. With Blackpool to win and over 2.5 goals in their game against Wigan on Saturday at 3-1. to one. Spoke about this on Big Six Fix because it's 23rd versus 24th. Both teams highly likely to be relegated. But... I don't think either of these teams will be coming into this thinking, what's the point? We're down. That's not how sports teams work. That's not how mentality works. They will feel, both of them, like this is their last chance to get a win and just give themselves a little bit more hope. You know, there are some pretty tough fixtures being played by the teams above them. Um, Huddersfield at Swansea. I've laid Swans, but it's still a tough fixture. Uh, Reading are playing Burnley. That's a very, very tough game. So, no doubt that whoever loses here is gone, is done. The overs bit is kind of the, the place to start here. I think that this game could have a bit of a final day feel because of the situation. I think there'll be a point where one or both teams go completely gung-ho in the last 20 minutes of this game because a draw clearly does absolutely nothing for either side. So if you're losing this game after an hour and you're as good as down you're going to go for it. I also think that if it's a draw with 20 minutes to go and both teams can go all out, then things could get very lively indeed. So for me, it's just a, a kind of a situational thing. The the overs is 2.15. That's where I started. I think that's value in and of itself. But I wanted to add Blackpool to this as well uh, and try and win at a chunkier price at 3-1. to one. I want to lean towards Blackpool because... I think they have the better attacking players if the game is going to break down a little bit and be loose. I think Blackpool have the better players in order to make the most of that. There's also going to be a really good positive atmosphere because Stephen Dobby will be in the dugout rather than Mick McCarthy. And I think the Blackpool fans will be keen to show their support for uh, Dobby, very popular as a player. Blackpool to win against Wigan and over 2.5 goals, 3-1. to one. It's my goals bet. Betfair's bet builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet. And with Betfair's popular bet builder, you can add the trending Football League bet builder selections to your bet slip in just one tap. Finish us off with a goal scorer. I think when you've got a player who scored 6-6 six and six and he's 7-2 to score any time, you've got to back him, haven't you? Mm. Tom Cannon. Um, yes. I mentioned earlier that I think Preston are too big a price anyway at Millwall. Um, I still think they are, despite what I said about Millwall's XG data. You know, he's scored in five of his last six games. He scored six and six. He's a proper goalsman. Um, you know, he's someone who, if uh, if Preston come away from this with a win or if they score goals in the game, you'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't at the forefront of that. And Millwall's defensive record at home recently isn't great. You know, the, yes, they got the nil-nil draw against Luton last time out, but they conceded three against Norwich in a 3-2 defeat. Of course, because he did two against Sheffield United in that 3-2 win. Um, Huddersfield scored there the other day, as did, as did Swansea. It's a bit of a different Millwall, I guess, at the den than we're used to. Um, by no means worse, but the games are a little bit more high scoring. I think Cannon will, well, we know Cannon will lead the line. We know he'll play 90 minutes if he's fit. And we know that he's their biggest goal threat. So 7-2 or two to score any time seems like a, a huge price to me. Yeah, I'm going for a pick live on Sky Saturday night. I am not looking a gift horse in the mouth. 
Did anyone watch Huddersfield 2, Blackburn 2? Yes. Monday lunchtime. Yes. Rankin Costello. Ooh. The right back, he had seven shots on target against Huddersfield on Monday. I don't think I've ever seen a genuine right back in a 4-3-3 have seven shots on target. Let's just run through some of the big ones. He had a big chance at nil-nil early on. Central position, the, the build-up was down the left. Ranking Costello made a really good run from the right-back position to basically the edge of the box, the penalty spot centrally. Um, shot saved by the goalkeeper. He scored the goal to make it 2-1. It actually came following a Blackburn corner that he is back for, which isn't great for this bet. It was cleared to him. He kept the ball, played it wide, kept running, then combined really well with Dolan and finished brilliantly for his goal. In the second half... Hedges came on and he was playing sort of right wing holding the width. That gave Rankin Costello even more scope to play inside him. He drew two great saves from the keeper at 2-1. And he had the header that was parried back to uh, Hedges who equalised for 2-2. So overall, Rankin Costello had eight shots, seven on target, four from the right side of the penalty spot, four from the left side of the penalty spot. Just gives you an idea of the sort of awkward positions he's taking up and the fact that well, Huddersfield, at least, didn't know who to use to track him. Now, the caveat for that is Rovers were 2-0 down early. They had 80% possession in the game. They had wave after wave of attacks. And those are key factors in something like the right-back having seven shots on target. Probably won't be the case to the same extent against Hull unless they go behind early. But even if you stretch it out to, to the last few months, he's actually had the joint most shots for Rovers in the league since the start of February. So that's two and a half months worth of football. Him and Brierton Diaz have had their jo joint most shots. He's heavily involved in their attacking play. And he's 23 to 1 to score any time with the Betfair Sportsbook. George, he's 45 to 1 to what? score first. 23 any. So I'm going half a point any time, 23 to 1. Quarter of a point, ranking Costello first, 45 to 1. Quarter of a point, ranking Costello two or more at 300 to 1. The whole outlook of the betting show season could change with a ranking Costello brace. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I was excited to look up his price when I saw he'd had seven shots on target. I was very excited when I saw he was 23 to 1 anytime. Joe Rankin Costello for Blackburn against Hull. Uh, George, please recap your selections and then we can go and enjoy the weekend sun. Okay, buddy. Bristol City, uh, three to one away at Watford is, is my nap. Uh, Exeter, two to one at home to Plymouth Argyle is my next best. Uh, Ipswich, a one point three four in my lay. Over two and a half Stoke goals at nine to two at home to West Brom is my goal selection. And Tom the Cannon Cannon, uh, seven to two anytime goal scorer for Preston at Millwall. Barrow, two point nine my nap. They're playing away at Swindon. I've also backed Barnsley minus one at Forest Green at two point six. Those prices with the Betfair Sportsbook. I've laid Swansea at one point seven five on the Betfair Exchange. My goals pick is Blackpool to beat Wigan and over two point five goals in an end of season vibe fair uh, at Bloomfield Road. Three to one the price. And my goal scorer pick Joe Rankin Costello twenty three to one anytime half a point forty five to one first goal scorer quarter of a point. Two or more goals, 300 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy the weekend. Go well, everyone. We'll be back again on Monday to recap everything that happens in the EFL this weekend. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Head over to ntt20.substack.com if you'd like to support us further. And go well. <laughs>